Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grain, Fault's Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and also Advanced Cicero. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, the executive director of the North American Craft Maltsters Guild and also an Advanced Cicerone. All right, welcome everybody to our second episode. Uh, as we teased in our origin story, the first episode, this uh, this episode we recorded, what, like eight weeks ago? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah, no, roll. totally fine. Uh, yeah, that's we're busy. That's what we do. Uh, we're busy, busy business people. Uh, so this episode coming up that you're about to hear is uh, starts with a nice uh, sticks my mash story from Rachel about her experience on the Outer Banks um, that goes into uh, dirty glassware and proper glass service. Um, after that, we talk a little bit about our journey through the Cicerone program and all of the attempts that it took both of us to get to the advanced Cicerone level. So thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't listened to our origin story yet and you're wondering who the hell these two people are who are talking to you in this episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Let's talk about my beer experience in the Outer Banks. Experience. Or lack of. (laughs) So I understand that I am a little bit of a spoiled beer connoisseur, if you will, like but I can just sit there and drink a Sierra Nevada pale out of a can. No big deal. It's really not. Right. But holy moly, man. These breweries in the Outer Banks, I mean, we're talking just, and I get this as a tourist thing, but you, you do have some really great craft beer bars there. But just your average Joe, I mean, the lack of concern for beer is so surprising, especially because they waste so much money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went, we went to the, the last night we were there, I had one bar, had a, assortment of cans and bottles and then they had their draft and you know all week long it's been an internal battle but i'm looking at these cans and i'm just like you can't see the dates really because they're in the cooler but i'm looking and there's a can of bell's hop slam i'm like oh that's really old yeah (laughs) because that beer is brewed in january whoops yeah or released whatever but it is july right or almost july and um so I'm like, no, okay, and you just kind of wonder about the rest of those dates. And I'm like, you know, let's go ahead and give this draft system a, a try. I get a Bell's Too Hearted. The girl comes over. She pours three glasses of foam of Too Hearted and then lets them sit for a minute and starts to marry these glasses, like scooping foam out with her nitro spoon, which I don't even think there was a nitro spout. So they had, <laughs> but sp- scooping some foam out starts like all in front of me, and I'm just like, whoa. I stopped her. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am not going to drink that. <laughs> I will take a can of this new Belgium easy go or day, day drink or whatever right. it is. Cause I got a feeling that's probably the freshest one you got. <laughs> right. Wow. So, you know, it's just like everywhere is like that. And you know, they do the whole stick, the whole glass up in the spouts, Look, all that bacteria. That is a pet peeve of mine. Oh. When I hear that spout hit the inside oh. of the glass, it's just like nails on a chalkboard. To it's me. so horrible. And they just don't even care. Yeah. Or know or care to know. <laughs> right. You know, what's I, I can be forgiving when I'm places that aren't beer bars. You know, if somebody brings me like a dirty glass, I'm still get, like, I'm still going to take a picture of it and send it to all my friends and be like, look at this bullshit. But <laughs> like, I'm not going to be a dick to the person there. Yeah. But um, I was in Boston two weeks ago and I'll just name them because they're a national brand. I was at Harpoon. 
and they were serving me beer in dirty, dirty glasses at the brewery. That is not excusable. There's n- yeah, there's no excuse for that. Again, like if you're if I'm in a restaurant or I'm you know an airport bar or whatever, fine, I can I can deal with it. Yeah, but there's a limit for sure, but. Yeah, yeah, when I'm at, at when brewery. I'm at the brewery, no, sorry. If you're a brewery, everyone on your staff needs to be at least beer server certified. Yeah, especially a old, real established brewery like Harpoon. Right, <sighs> right. I mean, it was, and it was every glass I got was dirty. They weren't. They didn't have the glass rinser. They yeah. weren't rinsing it. And I feel like with at least one of the pours that I got, that probably would have solved the problem. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, depending on how they wash their glasses, there's could be leftover sanitizer. Yeah, didn't dry all the way, or even worse, if they do not harpoon, but if someone does put a make it a frosted mug, all of a sudden that sanitizer is now frosted to the inside of your glass, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it will be in your beer. Yes, that's exactly right. And Uh, and it's so bad, and it's just like I, I get that the majority of people take that and it's whatever, or they don't even know or realize, but. Man, it, the beer knowledge out there, it's getting bigger. It, That's it really exactly right. Is. That's, it's now, like we were just saying, it's if you're a brewery, it is inexcusable for your service staff not to know how to properly pour a beer and know what a beer clean glass looks like. Exactly. It's inexcusable. And it's starting, that standard is branching out now to, if I am someplace like just a bar and they give me a dirty glass, I expect better because even if you're not... Uh, you know, an adherent of this of the Cicerone program, you still should understand that's part of good service. Yeah, you're not going to serve somebody, you know, a, f- a f- meal with a fork that has like dried up food on it. Yeah, why would you serve someone a dirty glass? Exactly, because uh, <laughs> no one can see it. Um, recently, I think it was Worst Beer Blog posted. Uh, like a thread where this brewery posted the dirty glass. I saw that. And somebody said something about it being a dirty glass. And they're like, hi, um, we don't think you know what you're talking about. That's called carbonation. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so very clearly obvious that it was dirty to everyone. And they kept denying it. Right. And they even went so far as to say, oh, well, we hand polish all of our glasses. That's probably, that's just a little bit of oil from hands. Oh, God. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, bro. That's dirty. (laughs) You get it. And he's like, I'm pretty sure it's just a little carbonation. And we're like, no, no, no. Carbonation, if you have nucleation, will come from the bottom of your glass. But if it's coming from different random spots. Right. And this glass was It was. And I did. I saw that. And people are like, why are you still fighting this? You're making it worse for yourself, brewery. Right. Like that's when when, like the servers or the brewer just needs to go over to the social media person and be like, I need you to stop right now. Yeah. (laughs) You're making this worse for all of us. Right. Exactly. And that's, I think that's truly, hopefully that's what it was. It's just whoever's in charge of that aspect of it isn't the same one. Hopefully in charge of the rest of it, but still... Oh, speaking of dirty glass, there's one brewery here locally that's soon having a improper glassware event. Yes. You bring your own. Anything. Anything you want. Yeah. A shoe. <laughs> I think they had a picture of a girl drinking out of a... Traffic cone. Traffic cone. Yeah. 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 That's you good. Know, that's um, good. In Australia, I think it is called shoey, and that's a thing. Um, Post Malone did it, where like somebody threw their shoe on stage and you fill it with beer and you drink the beer out of the shoe. Mm, 
sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll have a shoey night. Maybe a a, maybe improper <laughs> glassware is a new thing. Yeah. Maybe we need to get with it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I hate going to places where you just get a dirty glass. So I guess for people who are listening, this isn't visuals aren't great for podcasting. But when we're talking about a beer clean glass, or more appropriately, a dirty glass. If you get a glass and there are bubbles on like the sides of the glass, um, you don't have very good head retention on your beer. Sometimes you have lipstick around the limb or Ugh, rim or something that like that. Worst. And that that are those are all things that have happened to me. And send your beer back. Stop yeah. taking it. Right. And but that's we're so, better than this. <laughs> but that's what you know, when people are talking about beer clean, yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. You shouldn't have anything stuck to the inside. Like Rachel said, there shouldn't be any kind of nucleation point where there shouldn't be a nucleation point. I.e. Exactly. if you have etching on the bottom of your glass, pilot has that. Yes, and that's specifically for, you know, it, it releases all that carbonation and allows a nice head to stay on your beer the whole time you're drinking it it even releases aroma throughout your beer it's a very beer dork thing to do it's appropriate if you see bubbles coming from a nucleation site i, I got it from the sam adams glass you know yeah, that very exactly. popular bulb glasses yep. they had it and it's my favorite thing in the whole world um but dirty even even a dirty glass that's not going to save anything you know right your glass exactly. has to be beer, beer clean exactly and that's, um, I agree with Rachel. I, I can be bad about that, about sending it back because I don't want to be a jerk. Yeah. I don't want I, yeah, somebody same. to feel uncomfortable, but I, I, there's definitely a nice way to do it to just say, can I get this in another yeah. glass or even say like, see this stuff right here? This is a dirty glass yeah. and send it back. And, you know, being in the Outer Banks, I was definitely in the tourist city, tourist area. And, you know, there's a certain point you just kind of, I'll just take the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just take the bottle. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, I've had glasses before at Pilot and other places. I've worked where I go to pour a beer and I'm like, it looks fine. And I turn around to serve it to somebody and there might be like one little nucleation point that yeah. I can see on the side of the glass. And it's just like, dump. Yep. Right there. Stop it Sorry, all. but I, I, I know that it's not okay. Yeah. And I'm not serving that to you. And that, I think that's only happened to me once at, at Pilot. And it was just like a little, it was lint something. It yeah, wasn't still. not dirty because it's we totally had a very good dishwasher. But yeah, it was just like, I rather no, do I don't that. want you taking a picture of this to no. send it to your friends. Or getting whatever that is in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, see, you're concerned about other people i'm just concerned about <laughs> me looking bad but um <laughs> That's a yeah like it's never a bad thing if your server dumps a beer in front of you because the glass is dirty like that's that's the kind of service you want yeah you know i get asked every day what's off flavors you know because you know, we have that class coming up right but um you're just like yeah you've probably tasted a lot of off flavors out there in the wild like there's a lot of crap draft lines mm -hmm. and bad rotation or long beer sitting on shelves for a long time getting skunked yeah old old hops old <laughs> i mean yeah it's just ridiculous the amount of bad beer that's out there i mean i don't there's a lot of times where not that i have any time to do anything that i really want to do but most of the times i just go to my own brewery because i could trust it right i mean no that's exactly right and when i um judge professional beer competitions i get really angry about it because there are so many commercial so beers many. that people are paying a lot of money to enter the into these competitions. I mean, we're talking like $75 a bottle mm -hmm. 
and they're Been entering there. it because they think that's their best beer. That beer is going to win, and they are severely flawed. You and told it, me. It, you told me that one time. You're like when I went to go judge that beer co- professional one. You're like, yeah. Be prepared for how many bad beers. And the homebrew competition was way better. Yeah. Was way better. I yeah. did IPAs in both. So like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I had way better experience at the homebrew competition than I did on the commercial side. And yeah, it, but, it, you know what? It made us real confident. We entered our IPA into the US Open. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just, it, it makes me mad, particularly at professional brewers, because you when you're entering into a competition, like I said, you are making a statement that I think this is a very well-made beer. And not only are they not well-made, and I should clarify, I'm not talking about all the beers. Yes. But yes. Y- if you have never judged in a professional beer side competition before, I am telling you, you will be shocked at yeah. the amount of It really shouldn't just beer. be like 7% of the breweries did a good job. It, right. It shouldn't be like that, but it is. It's Right. And we're not talking about just like, this isn't my preference. No. I don't like this. All it's like, flavors. These are severely flawed. Severely, like you yes. have issues with your ingredients. You definitely have issues with your process and your fermentation. And just it's it just makes me angry because there are people out there paying money yeah for these beers and you know in some places that like if that's all you have to go on then maybe you decide you just don't like beer you know <laughs> maybe it's not for you and uh, that it's just it's endlessly frustrating that there is so much bad beer out and, there and you know there it's really surprising a lot of breweries don't do off flavor training with their staff yeah. Or, you know, um, it's very important to be able to detect an oxidized beer or diacetyl mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. acetohalide and to do it with the same group of people every time. Because, for example, I am really bad at picking up the acids. I'm mm-hmm. bad with acetohalide, with lactic acid, even acetic acid. Sometimes I get them all mixed up. So if I'm in a group with someone who else who's really good at it, then if, right. I, if I'm tasting it, then we really know we have a problem. Exactly. And that's important. And if you don't do consistent training with like like that, then, you know, what, what is the point even really if right. you keep on going? Right, exactly. And I think it's also important for brewers to be able to set their egos aside. And it says to me yeah. a lot more, I hold you in a lot higher esteem if you say we're pulling this or we dumped this yeah. instead of just put it on because people won't know the difference. They do. They, they know. Do. They do. And, and they I think won't that's tell great. you. Yeah, They'll, nine times out of ten, you're not going to hear about it. They're just going to not come back. Right. Well, and particularly if you've created kind of that same atmosphere where it's not okay for your employees to say this beer is flawed and it's yeah. not okay for your customers to tell you that. I mean, I like to think at Pilot, you know, if, if somebody tastes something wrong, we'll go, we'll check. We're, yeah. we're not going to say. Like, we'll determine. Yeah, get it, out of here, neck beer. Tell yeah. untapped about it. We don't care. You know, we we take things like that seriously, but it's amazing how many breweries don't. Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. And, it, you know, it's one of the reasons why this program is so, in becoming more, you know, higher esteemed, more accredited, because mm-hmm. it's just really important to be able to, like, know that you can go to this place and get a good beer because they have good servers. Right. I get that a lot about Pilot. Like, oh, your, your staff's so knowledgeable. I could listen to him talk all day about beer. Mm-hmm. And that's what people want. Even Even just people who don't even know that much about beer, they want to be educated. They want to know because... They don't like beer, but I got three beers they like. Right. Exactly. And I do. And it's just important for them to just have that 
someone who can lead them through all that. Right. And especially in a non-judgmental. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's, it's totally fine for people to ask me questions about oh, yeah. beer, about anything. And I'm not, no. I'm, you're not going to ask me something that's going to make me think like, man, are you so stupid? Yeah. I can't believe that you're in here because there's, there's a lot of things yeah. I don't know a lot about. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> and we love talking about beer and we will, we'll talk to oh, anyone yeah. about beer. Yeah. And yeah. I love spreading the knowledge and I love it when people go take the certified exam and pass it or, right. you know, go back and do it again because it is hard. To re- it really is hard to pass people. You got to study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do have to study for sure. What does it mean to be a Cicerone? It's just a really cool way to say I know a lot about beer, but I was tested on it and someone gave me an accreditation. And, you know, it's the sommelier of the beer world. Right. Um, something that I have found when people have asked about whether it's right for them or not, it, you know, it, it always depends with things like this or people who are trying to decide between BJCP and Cicerone. But one thing that's really great about the Cicerone program is that it gives you a really good shorthand if you're going to an employer. If you are you know, are a small business and you're trying to sh- secure funding, mm-hmm. it's a really good way to say, so we can say we're advanced Cicerones and they can go to the Cicerone website and see what that means and see the syllabus and see this is all of the things yeah. that we had to be proficient at knowing before we achieved this accreditation. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's really great for that, too, that a lot of people overlook is that it's it gives the outside world a good indication of what you know. Exactly. Um, it's in a way of saying you can come here and depending on the level of Cicero certification, that person's going to know what they're talking about. Right. They're exactly. going to be able to lead you through this crazy world of beer they're going to be able to explain, you know, a little bit about the brewing process, about the service, about draft systems, especially the beer server, the first level. Um, that is an online test that you can pay and take uh, without going to sit down with a proctor. And um, it's a little bit about a lot of things. You know, it it's, a, it's a little bit about process, brewing process and ingredients and beer styles and service. But it is a beer service test. Right. It is geared towards the service. So side. And um, there's about... 90,000 beer servers. Yeah. A little less, a little more, something like that. There's just under 4,000 second level. And there are 121 third levels. And there are about 18 fourth level. Yes. In the world. This is a worldwide program. Um, It's kind of interesting because it's just one guy decided one day that beer service was not doing well and he needed to start a program to change that. Well, and what was funny about that too, so the Cicerone program is a little, I think this year was their 10 year anniversary. If it wasn't this year, it was late last year. That makes sense. But it was, um, you know, Ray Daniels and Randy Mosier going to these places around Chicago and these guys are and have been beer experts. Yeah. And tasting beer out of dirty draft lines. Yeah. And telling people there's something wrong with your beer and people saying there's nothing wrong with our beer or, you know, you're, you're picky or, well, yeah, you can taste it. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's kind of where the Cicerone program was born from. Yeah. Um, Outside like Europe, other places, a lot of them use the um, IBD. So the international um, brewing and distilling Institute, they also have, I believe it's like a general certificate in brewing. And then they also have like the master certificate in brewing, um, which is similar to the Master Cicerone, just sure. in terms of what you need to know for it. But the Cicerone program is, like Rachel said, is 
worldwide is growing a lot now. They yeah. have, um, you know, Spanish language versions. They yeah. have, I thought they had maybe something um, like maybe Chinese language. Well, they have I, something like an Asian I know I've countries. taken a test with a guy who came from Asia area, yeah. one of the countries over there. And I know we take we took a test with that girl from BrewDog. Yeah. Um, and she came from uh, Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've taken a test with a guy from... I want to say Guatemala, somewhere yeah. in Latin America. And he was taking the Spanish version of yeah. the, it was the advanced Cicerone exam. Wow. That's really cool. It is, it is a great program um, for that reason. And it is growing. And Charlotte has a lot mm-hmm. of certified Cicerones, beer servers, even advanced Cicerones for how many there are in the world. Yeah. I feel like concentration wise, Charlotte probably has like the highest concentration of advanced yeah. Cicerones. I mean, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, which is a great beer town. And I looked it up the other day. There are no advanced Cicerones. It was really surprising to me. Yeah. Um, it is also an expensive test. It is. It is a beast to study for. Mm-hmm. It is a mini master. It is, yeah. and that's how they describe it. Well, and even the certified Cicerone, you know, depending how far away you are from having to study for college exams and stuff, most people are pretty far removed from that. And so yeah. you have to get back into, I need yeah. to sit down with a syllabus, and I need to sit down and hand write a four-hour exam, and even just physically yeah. getting ready to yeah. do that is yeah. a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean... I think that what I've learned from it is if you can write an essay about it, then you're probably good. Right. But, uh, you know, the last time I took this test, we've taken this test a lot. Um, We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a frustrating journey. (laughs) But the last time I took it, I was sitting next to a guy. And you can just tell when people are, like, just sitting there not really doing anything. I'm not, like, looking at this guy or cheating or anything. (laughs) He's just really next to me. He's not doing anything, like, the whole day. And uh, during lunch, we were talking, and, he was, you know, mentioned something. He was like, hey, I haven't written this much since, you know, college or whatever. I was like, well, did you study? He was like, oh, I read here and there. I was like, oh, God. Oh, buddy. Why are you even here, man? Like, yeah. Well, that's, I, you also don't realize what you're up against until you do take it for the first time. That's exactly right. And I've heard people say that about the certified, and the certified is, uh, is a difficult test. It is. I mean, it's, they a, don't want you to get 100% on that test. Right, they and you don't. shouldn't. I you mean, shouldn't. If, if people were routinely getting 100% on that test, then yeah. it's not a very well-designed test. No, and it doesn't mean as much. Right, you know. exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's – I've heard people who will say – well, you know, I, I'm thinking about taking the certified just to see how I do because, like, I know a lot about beer. And it's like, well. Yeah. But do you really? Sure. But then the other thing you don't think about is you also have to learn how to present that information in Cicerone's language. Yeah. You have They're to not present... using anything special or exactly. anything like that, but they want you to pr- be able to present the information in a specific way. You have to convince a Cicerone that you actually do know what you right. about beer. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, you can't just, you know, reading a book isn't going to prepare you for having to do fill in the blank where you're given like three stats about a beer and you just have to write what kind of beer it is. Yeah. You have to study for that. And that's huge on advance and master. You have to know, uh, you have to memorize every single stat. Yes. I think the only thing you really don't have to memorize is maybe the final gravity and original gravity, but you still have to have a really good understanding of where those yeah. fall. Yeah. I think I th- that may be on the master yeah, exam. Yeah, it is. But well, yeah. Well, yeah. And it's it's a lot of information. I mean, more than people realize. Like, if you can't tell me about butyric acid, don't go take this test. Then why like, the fuck are you even talking yeah. to me? <laughs> 
why are you here? <laughs> Speaking of studying, so we had mentioned before, neither Rachel nor I passed the advanced on oh, no. our first time. What is it, like an 11% or, pass rate yeah. for the first time? Yeah, for first time takers. I, and I would be interested to see what the pass rate is for second time takers yeah. too. But I mean, I know people who pass the advanced the first time. I have no idea how. I, I know. mean, just just for me, going in and sitting through the experience and seeing, oh, okay, this is what the questions are like. This mm-hmm. is how I should be structuring yeah. my studying was huge. That was huge. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, now now I can leave here knowing precisely yeah. where to go from here. Yeah. And it can be frustrating because, you know, it is, it's almost like they take your exam, they read your essay questions, and they're like, well let's just start at a 90 and take points off from there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And like I knew the first time I took it, and I was like, it was like this for me too, the first time I took the certified, I had no business taking these exams. (laughs) I didn't know anything. And uh, the certified, I passed the written the first time, and I think my tasting, I got like a 40% because I didn't know. Uh, oh, yeah. If you don't have exposure anything. to those off flavors. Like, yeah. And you, I like I had taken a couple yeah. of, of off flavor courses, but I still didn't, like, I didn't know my beer styles. Yeah. I, I can memorize anything. I can write an essay about anything you want me to when it comes to just relying on myself yeah. and trusting <laughs> that I know that stuff. I can't do that. And, yeah. Or I, I can, but it's just, it studying for throughout the Cicerone has always kept me in a very uncomfortable position of having to learn to trust myself and to yeah. turn, get my brain to shut up and just yep. trust my intuition. Yep. Um, Fallen but, victim to that so many times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, frustrating when you know that you know the information and you talk yourself out of it. Yeah. And that was, I walked out the first time and was definitely, you know, I was happy that I had taken it and I had gotten through it. And I did fine the first time I think I got a 72 or 74. So like I didn't not do well. Yeah. Um, but obviously I didn't pass. And I kind of knew where to go from there. Yeah. And could see like, wow, I really need to work on explaining my, you know, for draft systems, like yeah. doing a better job. It could have just been a couple of more details that I could have put in there that would have gotten me a high enough score. Yep. Yep. I, I can't remember what I got on my first, second level, something low, like 73 or something. And I passed the tasting though. And I, I remember being so nervous about the tasting and like really focusing hardcore about the tasting. I'd, this is back in the day when Siebel had, you could buy the off flavors in a little vial mm-hmm. and like just do a drop or so in your drink and save it like a normal you know person. Right. Instead of having to share <laughs> it with 20, 20 people. Right. But, uh, so I would do that. I'd take those things to the bar with me. Like, oh, that's good. I'd like get me that Pilsner and I spike the Pilsner and I drink it. It was awful. But I did that a lot. And, yeah. And it actually, it worked a lot. But, um, and then, you know, I had to retake the written. Right. And, um, you know, that's... So that, combined, that, Rachel and I make a very yeah. good Cicerone. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've done better. We've done a lot better since then. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, I remember right after, so when I got my results for the certified and I didn't pass the tasting. I knew that there was another tasting in like, or another certified exam in Asheville in like two weeks. And I immediately signed up for the tasting. And of course I didn't pass. Like I I wasn't going to, I hadn't been studying anymore. I got a little bit better, uh, but I still 
didn't pass, you know, and finally um, set a date for like four months out to take it again and started doing beer sale discrimination pretty regularly and just learning this is what these are. And I remember one of the first ones that I missed was, is this a We Heavy or Doppelbach? Mm -hmm. And I remember tasting that and thinking, how would you ever know the difference? (laughs) This is so hard. And like, I kept trying it and I kept like, I kept missing and I couldn't figure it out. And then like one day it just clicked where I was like, well, of course this is the We Heavy. And this is the Doppelbach. Like, yeah. they're completely different. But that didn't happen overnight. No, I, I've had moments of clicking like that, too. And it takes – it's a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember being 19, starting in the beer industry at a beer bar. I had, like, you know, 500 different options of beer. So you had to learn it. And I remember one day just walking to work and just being like, I fucking get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, I can get you – you want well, – you, you don't like beer? I got a beer for you. You right. You like pale ales? You want an English or American? They're like, what? Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right. And I I remember doing enough uh, style discriminations at home that one day I could just smell that this one was a lager and this one was an ale just on the fermentation character. And it wasn't like, today's the day I'm going to do it. You know, I just like (laughs) sat down and, and smelled them both and was like, Oh, this one's the lager because yeah. this doesn't it smell like, like lager. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what you mean, that lager yeast smell. And we still have moments like that all the time. Yeah. You know, oh, it, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> this is like learning a whole other language. Yeah. It doesn't stop. Right. Especially right. with all the new things out there today that, you know, you may or may not agree with. But they're happening. <laughs> new right. England IPAs, <laughs> brewed IPAs, you know, glitter beer. You should be able to taste that glitter. <laughs> should be able to know the color of the glitter. I did get confirmation that glitter will not show up in the poo. Oh. I was really disappointed. I don't feel the need to drink it now. Right. I was going to drink it for that reason. <laughs> bling, bling. <laughs> be awesome. When we're talking about off flavors and kind of training your palate, I guess it's important, again, to talk about what exactly that means. So, like, mm-hmm. when we're talking about doing off-flavor training at the brewery, um, if you go to any of the Cicerone classes or if you come to our off-flavor beer education classes, the way they work is we have, they're called uh, flavor spikes. So there are these flavor standards. Uh, we get ours from Aroxa. Siebel also has their own flavor standard. Or I shouldn't say their own flavor standards because there's, the standards are the same. Yeah, their own brand. Right. and You get it from two places. You're right, exactly. And... So the spikes you dissolve into, I think it's usually a liter of beer for like the typical spike. And you will usually do that in a fairly neutral beer. So Cicerone uses Amstel Light. Mm -hmm. And that's something they they tell you in the tasting that's that's common knowledge. They use Amstel Light because it's a fairly neutral flavor profile that really makes you able to detect those off flavors. Sure. And so there's, I mean, there's a huge catalog of flavor standards you can get, and not all of them are necessarily off flavors. Some are on flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you do that, typically, say we'll fill up, we'll have four flavor standards, and so we do a liter of beer in, you know, four different pitchers, and then add the flavor standard, and then pour those into usually like clear glass, clear plastic cups. And the the idea behind that is you've got something that's all 
the same color. You know, you're mm-hmm. kind of taking away the same that base. aspect of it. Yes. It's important when you're, especially when you're learning. Yes, exactly. And, and then always a constant too. Right, right. You always have the control so you can compare what the beer tastes like always yes. to the spiked beers. And then you go through just the general, um, you know, aroma, flavor, tasting it, mouthfeel, all of that to figure out what the off flavor is. So ones that are pretty common, particularly if you're studying for the certified Cicerone, are DMS, diacetyl, acetaldehyde, trans 2 nonanol, which is oxidation. Um, light struck. Light struck. Yeah. That's the other one. No, that's hoppiness. <laughs> <laughs> that's for another episode. Yeah. Uh, that's when we talk about letting, letting your haters be your motivators. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, and then I think infection was yes, the other one, but I right. thought they recently changed it or they were going to change I it. Don't, I haven't seen – well, I guess the new syllabus hasn't come out yet. It has. It's not in – in I remember um, it was on until like September. I think acetic acid's on there for the maybe that's for what the, it is. We're talking about for the uh, certified Cicerone second level exam, right? We're ta- that's what we're talking about. The advanced exam has all those off flavors plus a lot more, right? So the advanced exam has 12 yes off flavors. Um, so we typically will do uh, when in a pilot when we do the off flavors we usually do the certified yes kind of the ones if you're studying for the certified and the reason why those are on the certified is because they're the most common off exactly. flavors that you see and overwhelmingly and, they, and the they can happen from both process and draft service or bottle service you right. know and it's it's it is the, like you said the most common ones you'll find out in the wild and i bet everyone has tried them oh I can guarantee daily. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you've had a beer yeah. in your life, you have had an off flavor in your beer, and oh, that's yeah. you know after the last time we did the off flavor class at Pilot, I had had somebody say, you know, we're going through all of these beers, and they all just taste like beer to me. I can't tell that there's anything wrong. I couldn't pick anything up, and that's that's our that's, that's normal. Normal, yeah. That's, on your first time or second, yeah. or, I mean, it's takes a while you it gotta get do this stuff and you know when you work in a brewery and you're in that environment it's you know obviously that's your job it's a lot easier but you're thinking about that stuff all day you know when you're just trying to like do your day job then go study for cicerone right i mean how are you going to get access to that stuff you know right. they're they're expensive when you go to buy them through siebel or Arexa. yeah um you typically got to find a group of people to share it with and right you know that's why when you can find classes that will offer them you should go if you're wanting to learn because it will save you a lot of money for sure um and you surround yourself with people who you know when people start to taste things and they say it you will pick up on that you know a lot of times you don't understand what you're tasting until someone else says it for you right which can also be dangerous it can also be yes so yeah usually if you're doing an off flavor or even if you're doing style identification it's better not to talk to each other until you're finished because if you know rachel's sniffing a beer and i'm like petunias and fruity pebbles like that's exactly what she's going to smell and um you know your sense of smell is highly suggestive and the environment that you do this tastings in are are important as well you know you need it's best to not have a bunch of other aromas going on like Mm -hmm. food or you know something soured or dirty or you know you want to be in clean dark lit not dark lit because that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Mood <lighting>. <laughs> but <laughs> they say, you know, not to have super bright lights. It will help you. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. Sure. But, uh, you know, have some water. Don't have a bunch of noise go on. Just right. kind of zone in to what you're tasting. 
Um, it's so easy to get acclimated to these off flavors so quickly. Mm-hmm. You sit there and you just smell one over and over. Right. You're not going to smell anything. Yeah, especially the um, sulfitic ones. So like light struck, yeah. you get really used to really quick. Yeah. Um, SO2, H2S, those, when you smell them, you'll get that whiff. And yeah. that's actually why with like Burton Ales, there's something called the Burton Snatch. And that was, that referred to when you opened a beer that had... From like not necessarily just Burton Nails, but from Burton upon Trent that has highly, highly sulfitic waters. Yep. And so the Burton Snatch referred to that like brief like yeah. scent you would get from the sulfur yes. from the water. And but then it goes away. And it doesn't really go away. You just you get s- acclimated to it exactly. really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We did the one um one of the off flavor ones we did at Pilot, uh if you've never been in pilot back in the brew house, it's fairly close quarters anyway. And I was getting started on here's, you know, here's what you need to do off flavors. And this girl who had paid for the class pulls out Yafo, which is fantastic food, but it's also Mediterranean food. And it's like falafel and lamb, very like, not just like, this isn't, you know, like lentil soup or something that doesn't really have a strong smell. This is like the strongest smelling food. Yeah. And onions and stuff. And she pulls it out and starts eating it. And it was kind of a moral dilemma because I'm thinking, okay, I know that you don't know. Yeah. And but I know that you paid for this class. Yeah. But you have got to get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's ruining her palate. Right. Well, and everybody it's there. Good. I mean, this yeah. is close quarters, exactly, too. Yeah. So everybody can smell that. And that's in, you know, that's in everybody's, like, sinus cavity. And so a good, if something like that happens to you or if you feel like you're kind of losing the ability to smell whatever off flavor you're trying to detect a good way to reset that is to smell your clothes so a lot of people you'll that's why mm. sometimes you'll see people like smell their elbow ah uh, i thought this were making sure their bo is under yeah. control <laughs> yeah. now now I know. Like, is that me or now is that diacetyl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that um, is you yeah but you you know you're you're used to what you smell like and so that's a great great way to smell your arm smell your sleeve mm-hmm. whatever and that's going to help reset kind of reset your palate yeah and you know there's also there's so much to it there's certain ways that you should smell mm-hmm. certain ways that you should taste and for each off flavor it can be different sometimes you can smell the off flavor more than you can taste it oxidation mm-hmm. i can't smell it but i can taste it immediately yeah i i would i would tend to agree per- with that personally and um you know, DMS, I have to start my sample kind of low down, mm-hmm. like, near my chest area and kind of swirl it and slowly bring it up to my nose. And then at a certain point, well, I, well, I I'm determine exactly it. like that with DMS also. And, you know, and then even the little trick with metallic. Mm-hmm. Put the beer a little dot on your skin and the oils in your skin will bring out that penny blood-like right, right, exactly. taste. I actually did that on my advanced sister and got that one because of doing that. Yeah, and and you should. I, when I took the Aroxa um, Practical Beer Taster uh, course that's something one of the days he like everybody kind of got scolded for it because he was just handing out samples and we knew that it was likely that they had been spiked but we didn't know what the spikes were so sure. we had to figure out what it was and one of the uh, samples was something really strong like diacetyl and like oxidation or something so everybody you know smells it tastes it writes down diacetyl and oxidation and then later he's like well did you did anybody get metallic and nobody got metallic because again, like you kind of get in your own head and you're yeah. like, well, there's already there's two, two off flavors. There's not going to be three. Yeah. 
And yeah, and that, but that's exactly why he did that is, okay, here's an example of when you're trying to do this and you're trying to work through it. Yeah. You know, you have to rub every sample of beer on your hand to see if it smells like pennies. Yeah. It's not like you're just looking for one off flavor. Right. You're just looking for whatever could be in the beer. Right. That's and, exactly right. And it could be many things. And a lot of times it is many, many things. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I mean, going so going back to if you've done off flavors before, don't get discouraged if you don't pick anything up. Yeah. I, I actually, when I lived in Chicago, went to one of the off flavor classes at the Cicerone offices and was like, this all just tastes like beer to me. Like, yeah. this is just beer. And people around me are like green apple and latex paint i'm like get out of here hipsters like, yeah. you're just making shit up you don't know <laughs> and you know now several years down the line when i go to even pour like once we have those liters and i'm pouring them into sample cups it is so strong oh to me. yeah i can smell it from a mile away yeah and that didn't happen overnight no and i still can't sometimes people will hand me beers and be like taste this and, you know, if I'm not in that mode yeah. of tasting things, I'll be like, well, you know, it's like most beer out there right now. Yeah. It's fine. It's unremarkable. And they're like, don't you get the diacetyl or the acetaldehyde? I'm like, well, I'm sure I can find it if I look for it. But if it's not like significantly flawed, I'm not always in that mind space yeah, to just exactly. immediately pick it up. Exactly. Thanks for listening. You can find False Bottom Girls on Facebook and Instagram at False Bottom Girls. You can also email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round. <laughs>